I've always been intrigued by the stories of people in the jewelry industry who make these items, what inspires them and brings them to this world. I'm here to share their stories. This is A Thousand Facets. Gabriela Kiss finds beauty in the things we don't really think about. Her narrative is to celebrate them and create truly stunning work of art. In the first episode of season two, I'm delighted to sit with her and have an incredible conversation. Hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Hi, Gabriela. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. It's a lovely, I, brisk day. I know, it's such a beautiful day in a beautiful space. Thank you for having me in your gorgeous studio. I'm so excited I want to move in there. I just, first of all, I, I love your work. You're somebody that every time that I see your work, it makes me happy. Oh, thank you. Seeing all the different textures, the different uh, subjects that you utilize, are it's just wonderful, whimsical, but not at the same time. I first saw your work in different stores. Like, I saw it online, and I was like, ooh, what is this? And I started... I saw it at August in Quadrum and former Egan Day, now it's a different name. The first time that I actually saw your work in person was in Foreman Egan Day. And I remember it was like this diamond rose cut ring and I put it on and I told my husband, I'm like, can you can we swap my engagement for this one? Can I have it? And he was like, no. Um, and then I remember going to your husband's stu uh, store in Hudson, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Lerica. Mm -hmm. He is an amazing furniture designer. And you, there was this glass box with half Ted Newling's jewelry, mm -hmm. half your jewelry. And I will just stare there. <laughs> I will just like look at everything. And the person that was helping is like, do you need anything? I'm like, no. I'm like, I just... <laughs> It was just so wonderful seeing your working in the scale that it was. So um, needless to say, your work really inspires me and makes me so happy. And I do own one of your pieces. I have the raccoon earrings. Oh, great. I bought them at Nika. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I love them very much. Um, so can I ask, where do you grow up? I grew up, for the most part, in New Jersey. I was born in, in Canada, in Toronto. Mm. My parents are both Eastern European and, and both landed there. My father from Hungary and my mother from the former Yugoslavia. Wow. So, um, and then we moved to the States when I was about two. So, Jersey, I'm a Jersey girl. I always like to say I was bridge and tunnel when I went to, to Pratt in Brooklyn, I New Jersey and Brooklyn. Um, and it was a, uh, I had a great childhood. My, my heaven was just playing in the woods and, and always making tiny things. Yeah. It was always, um, like I can show you that when people ask me how I started making jewelry, I, like, like these little match boxes, I would spend hours making little rooms inside these match boxes. And so my world has always been small, so, sort of, yeah. So how, what inspired you to do those matches? Again, I think, um, The impulse to work small, partly, I think, was just that what was around. Like, my friend, my dearest, oldest friend, Lee Hale, who also makes wonderful work, um, you know, we used toothpicks and, and threads and, and matchboxes. Her mother was a, was a, 
a smoker and had these wonderful matchboxes called Le Petite, and they were they had all these very pretty little cover on them in different colors. And so Lee and I would just use these as the wings for our little spaces that we would make. And I mean, it's hard to say what inspires. I think most makers, it's just like you're, sometimes you're a, a vessel for something coming through, right? Mm -hmm. You just can't help but make something. So it's not even that you know what you're going to make. You just make it. Exactly. <laughs> so how many, do you do you have any favorite ones? Do you, st do you still have some? I do. I have them here. I can show you in the drawer. Um, my favorite one I never finished, it was the bathroom. I made the tiniest little toilet and the tiniest little roll of toilet paper. <laughs> And most of them, um, I don't know, I, I, I got my ages wrong. Like the kitchen has sort of a 50s looking stove and a butter churn and a three-legged stool. So it was sort of, you know, my little house on the prairie meets, you know, 1950s modern or something. Um, so, yeah, and, and Lee's first one was wonderful. It was a little, uh, a gorilla. It was like her matchbox was the, a gorilla cage, and so she made the little gorilla and his little door, and above it it said Hank, and she made all of his this giant pile of hay out of just you know ripped up little pieces of paper that we painted and put in there. So I love that. Yeah. I think you. So you 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 created your own little world mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! So each room it was like it was like home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god! I love that. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you were doing that? Um, let's see. I I think. 14, maybe? Yeah. Oh. 13, 14. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, so, do you have any memory of jewelry? I, my first memory of a piece of jewelry was actually a, a it was a, a charm bracelet from the movie um, uh, 101 Dalmatians. So I had this charm bracelet with all the little Dalmatians. I loved it. I wore it until all the enamel wore off. And it was just sort of the base metal left. And that was, and I, I still, I mean, when you ask me that, that's, that's an image that comes very strongly into yeah. my head. But um, my, in terms of in the family, I mean, my father came from this very small peasant village and yeah. was, they were farmers. And when he left, you know, there was no jewelry on that side yeah. of the family. And my mother's family uh, her maiden name was Nuss, which means nut in German, and, and the only piece of jewelry my grandmother had was a, a little gold walnut that she wore in a chain around her neck that I loved, and eventually when she she passed away after being in a, in a nursing home, and it disappeared somewhere along the line, so I recreated that, my whole little walnut. Oh. line was all an homage to my Oma. That's um, beautiful. Yeah. Do you, have you traveled to your family's? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. my father's village is, is it's a beautiful little village and has this beautiful little sort of Jugendstil style church there. And um, it's, it's, I mean, it's sad to see in that area, those those country villages. I mean, I'm not sure now, but they're kind of dying out. You know, the same thing with young people all moved yeah. to the cities, and not, people aren't doing so much about farming anymore. Yeah. Um, and then, yes, I've also been to my mother's birthplace was uh, Novi Sad. And um, oh, do you have any family over there? Is there anybody there, left? There's a few left in the village, yes. And, my, and But otherwise, most of my mother's family came over to Toronto, so there's still some family oh, okay. there. Oh, this, it's, it's, just, it's just sad how, like, you know, people have to move to from one place to another because of all the situations that are mm -hmm. happening right now. Yeah. It's, the world yeah. is like, it's, it's just sad. I'm just, you know, it literally affect mm -hmm. me. Or, mm -hmm. But, like, just the stories of people that, 
you know, half sufferer. It's yeah, just very, yeah. very rough. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that your parents were able to have a life and mm -hmm. get a better future for you. Mm -hmm. And you're able to create beautiful, thoughtful mm -hmm. pieces mm -hmm. that cause a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that we tell our stories the way we can. Yeah. We, we've talked about but like um, besides doing like everything small is there anything else from your environment when you were a child that affect uh, that shows in your work well yeah certainly the nature part of it I mean like for me my my church has always been to be in the woods and yeah. and the, the small creatures there I mean there's a story of me standing when I was Three, I think we we lived in a, in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, and there was a, a big sliding glass door. And there's a story of me standing as a toddler on one side of this glass door, and there was a praying mantis on the other side, like right at eye level. And it's one of those memories that I I don't know if it's mine or if it's just been told to me. Yeah. You know, it's been told to me so much, like I can sort of picture me standing there. But I also have this very innate memory of connecting with this creature and the fascination. And so years later. When I carve these insects, I really do sort of, it's almost like you transport yourself into this other creature. I, I, um, it took me two weeks and at the time when I did my praying mantis to carve just that front four. Yeah. And, um, and I remember <clears throat> also doing the grasshopper, like sort of waking up from a dream where I actually felt my leg being the leg of a grasshopper. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, I, I, and my brother and I spent many hours in the stream at my father's property building villages and so it was really just yeah having your toes in the mud as yeah. a child is the biggest and best world I think I completely agree like just saying that nature is your church is like it resonates so much with me because that's where I feel the most calm you know mm -hmm. it's like just going on a hike and just seeing like a waterfall or seeing just a river running through it mm -hmm. it's just it's something that for me is like where i'm the happiest mm -hmm. uh, so i really understand and i i have a big love for insects as well i don't want them in my you know yeah <laughs> i don't want to touch them but i love seeing them and i love like i just follow them for mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah I think sometimes I, i'm missing that that fear gene in my dna like I love snakes. To me, they're just, you know, I see a snake and I go running up to it. It's, its movement is miraculous to me. Yeah. Like, where does that movement generate know, from? Right? Right? It's just sort of this instant, <laughs> yeah, yeah. incredible moving line. Um, and the insects, too. I just, uh, what I, I love is often when I'm carving at night, um, is it usually when I do my wax carving, and, and little bugs in the room will often come and just sort of, you know, even to land on my hand or land mm -hmm. on my carving tool. And there's this, you know, because they know they can trust yeah. you. They know <laughs> I'm they honoring them. Yeah. <laughs> they know they can trust you. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting because I was brought up with like a fear of like lizards and like, you know, things like that. And like growing older, I, I've come to like love them and appreciate them and appreciate their beauty, even though people get really grossed out of it I, don't know, I just I absolutely love it um so you went to Pratt mm -hmm. and you started sculpture mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that what inspired first of all what inspired you to it was um actually it was a big choice as a as a child I was a I was a dancer I loved dancing really? so there was a part of me that wanted to become a dancer and I I did explore that a little bit but I realized quite young that I wasn't ready or willing to move into the city and do the whole mm -hmm. sort of rigorous ballet training. Yeah. 
You did so bubbly with Buzz. Oh yes. wow! And then um, I also loved music. I played piano a lot too. So I I was sort of before, and my father really wanted me to be a doctor, which was never in my in my um, sight. But uh, going to Pratt was such a coming from Princeton, and also being my childhood was so sort of insular and and. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was either dancing or I was, I was playing piano or I was doing my, my own little little tiny carvings. Um, so I'm coming to Pratt in, in Brooklyn, and this is in 1976, was just the biggest, most exciting, eye-opening, great. You know, it's just, I loved riding the subways was enough. It was just this yeah. huge adventure. And it was very dangerous back then, too. After dark to get milk in yeah. bed sty. You know, it means amazing how much it's changed since then. But I, uh, and back then, Pratt didn't really have a, a jewelry department per mm. se, the way they do now have a very sophisticated metals department. But but that back then, it was a room with some hammers and a torch, and <laughs> and I loved that actually. That's why it was sort of, and I mostly started my wax carving then too, sort of self taught, just playing around oh. with a little alcohol lamp and some dental tools. So um, it was, it, there wasn't much training in jewelry per se. And back then the, it was all about sort of, it was very cerebral sculpture. It was all, um, it, it wasn't at all the kind of work that I like to do, which was, you know, carving and um, anatomical things. Or, But I think it was really, um, it was just such a huge eye-opening experience to enter this world of also like-minded people. You know, you find you find your tribe as you go out to the world, and that was really really thrilling. So it was a great experience. And then um, when I graduated, like although I had it was the sad part was that like I was robbed so often in Brooklyn. Every time I um, when I had my senior show, somebody figured out what was going on in terms of the jewelry department, people having a having a show, and then. They they found me and my my all the work would be stolen from my apartment. I called. Oh, no. <laughs> so finally, the last year, I remember putting a, a sign up on my door saying, "Don't bother. It's it's all gone." But oh. even my 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 sort of senior show was all. It was just it was still in the box. I came home one day and it was just oh, taken. So that was unfortunate. But in a way, you know, forced to have a fresh start. Yeah. So can can you tell me a little bit about your senior show? How like what was the inspiration? Yeah, I had um, well, I had started. Somebody commissioned me to make a necklace for his uh, girlfriend, and he wanted repeated figures. He showed me like a, a Georgian necklace or something of you know repeated stones. I can't remember what the necklace was, but I made I made a necklace of a tug of war people. So so mm -hmm. they were repeated figures on either side. Oh. And then I did a whole series based on these kind of acrobats. And um, back then was when I carved my first pair of hands also. I've oh. always carved hands forever just because to me that's the detail of a hand and what it represents is is so vast, you know, making or greeting or or caressing or yeah, writing. Um, so there was a, a whole group of work based on these figures, and then a lot of um, uh, bigger pieces. I did this ginkgo leaf, which was kind of an interesting segue to meeting Ted Mewling because he he I didn't know his work at the time, but I, I made this really big ginkgo leaf. It was a series of a, a couple different larger pieces. Um, so when I met Ted later and he started his work with this ginkgo thing, it was also kind of an interesting. It was kismet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I wonder who has that those type I do too. <laughs> I hope that they didn't melt it. I hope that they know that they have a very special piece. I wonder. Yeah. Oh, wonder. yeah. It is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Was it silver? Yeah, it was all silver. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. still, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, no, just all the work. This is just yeah. like heartbreaking. So, what your senior project was besides, you know, like, did you change that one? Like, do you recreated it? Um, no, I didn't. I, I, those pieces I lost, although the, the, um, the tug of war and this like rope climber necklace, those pieces I, since I had carved, I, I had molds made and then I started carrying them out into, there's a little store on Greenwich Avenue. I, I brought some pieces too. So I, I slowly started selling my work of that grouping, but, um, So that, that stuff wasn't lost, but all the one of the kind of pieces. I, you know, honestly, I don't even really remember all the work anymore. There was a box. There was a, you know, it's, you spend so much time making these pieces that, that um, it's remarkable that I'm having trouble remembering all the Okay, memory, like, you know, I've realized that I've lost so much of my memory because I, like, I tend to, like, like not think about the past. I'm, like, always thinking about the future. So it's like, I don't remember. <laughs> I understand. Um, so speak, you spoke about Ted Newland. Usually when I see your work, he's with you in all the places. And it's, like, really nice to see you guys because even though you're different, you belong in the same space mm -hmm. and I really love that can you tell me a little bit about how that relationship started that was a really magical story so I um it was what May or June I was graduating from Pratt and Ted had just won back then um uh, they were the Cody Awards I guess the equivalent of what the CFDA awards mm. are now so I knew his work from magazines and from also back then um Bendel's was a place where you could see sort of interesting jewelry and there and and the woman there was a buyer there or there was a I can't remember if it was like a Wednesday afternoon or something you could show up and any designer could show up to have this kind of open um, visit with the buyer um, so Ted was I, I had started I was aware of his work and I thought it was amazing and I assumed he was uh in a penthouse somewhere, you know, and, and how would I find him to, you know, I wanted to see if I could get a job. So back then there was no difference in um, area codes for for Brooklyn and Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So, and he was in the phone book. I found him in the phone book and I called him up and I was really nervous. And he picked up and was sort of suspicious of who was this guy. <laughs> and I explained that I um, loved his work and I was looking for work and he luckily was um super busy because in two weeks he was he was accessorizing a fashion show for Isonyaki in oh, Paris wow. so he really needed help and he kind of reluctantly said well I actually yeah I need help but you know I live in Brooklyn <laughs> oh so do I I live in Fort Greene so do I <laughs> live on Washington Avenue well it got it got to the point where it turned out he was in the in the building right next door to me oh my and so god when I went next door to meet him I realized that he was the noise you know his he was whatever you know I was on the top floor of a townhouse and he was on whatever floor but our windows were both faced the back and I he was the one I was hearing with his flex shaft going right you know like oh. at all hours in the morning it's like you're the asshole who's seeing all that noise. <laughs> Um, but it was oh amazing to walk. I mean, he, he, it was so remarkable. His, his apartment was, there's this long, dark hallway and, and sort of walk back past this bathroom that, that the tub was all patinaed and, you know, greenish copper. And, and he, there were, there were, um, I don't know, there were, there were 
peanut shells all over the floor. I guess he had been, but make you know, just it was it was a student apartment of somebody who was just completely creative, making his own things, and and he had strung um, filament like fishing line from one wall to another, and he had been he was making these amazing acrylic pieces for you say these um, mothwing earrings that he was slumping the acrylic, I guess, in his oven and then um, grinding it and putting dye and gold leaf, and they were just amazing these wow. glowing moth wings sort of hanging in this space just being touched by the light and he sent me home with a bunch of um, titanium he's making these um, they were like waterfall earrings of of many many pieces of little titanium discs that had to be hammered and then pinched shut so that they made this kind of lovely pod shape and then they were all hung together and then he he did this process of the anodizing where you can color it ombre from one you know purple to pink to green and I actually severed the the nerve on the tip of my thumb I'm folding all of those and I but I love that I love that I you know every time I I go to this finger I know that was my you know my first <laughs> working with Ted so he um and when he left for the show after two weeks I remember saying well I, you know I hope you hope you sell a lot of stuff and just sort of looked at me so what that's that's not the point I said well, well just the point is to make something beautiful exactly. so it was um when he came back, I, I worked for somebody else for a short time, and then um, about six months later, um, came to work for him, and we just had the most amazing time. I mean, he's such an incredibly brilliant designer and maker, and I love that he, he also didn't come from a technical jewelry background. He studied uh, industrial design, and mm -hmm. his friend, Tucker Meister sort of showed him how to hammer and solder, and so he just kind of took it on himself and to me you see that in the work that it's this very pure vision that he, so it was the most wonderful both education and friendship and journey and we you know we, we had the we had soap operas on and the Waltons in the background and we, we we went for you know to museums and went for walks and we made so much work I mean back then artware was was wholesaling his work artware was a gallery that was sort of the only place of its kind at the time and um they started wholesaling, so that's where interesting stores would sort of come and find the, the people who were selling it at Artware. Um, and it was, it was, you know, we worked together for eight years, and, and I slowly started making, carving my own things in the meantime, and I, I actually, that's when I left him, I had been carving all these angels. I sort of started my own um, business with these this series of angels that I made, and also a bunch of my hands and my anatomical carvings um and the angels i initially made as a gift for ted i wanted them all to be holding a big bell like I, there were five or six carved angels that were supposed to hold a bell and i never ended up making the bell because ted saw the angels and then he passed he said well, let me buy these for the salespeople, the sales girls at artware wow. so he did that and i'm probably one of the few people that was you know i didn't have to to knock on the door to get in there because they were wearing them and people were asking, can oh, we buy these? Wow. And so I was, I was, you know, it was a lovely way to be, yeah, invited in there. That's amazing. It's just sad that those places don't exist anymore. You know, it's just like seeing great work in the cities, like mm -hmm. very hard now to mm -hmm. find, like Barney's is gone, mm -hmm. like all these different mm -hmm. things. So it's, it's great that you were like, because of that relationship and just like him just, Asking mm -hmm. the given the girls yes, the, yes. on the no, store. It, it was incredibly generous oh, wow. and, and a really lovely way to be shooed in. So yeah, I never and and because of that, 
I never had to go, you know, I've never done a jewelry show or um, because the stores were coming there. So it was a really, I was, I was very lucky. But it's amazing. But at the same time, it's like you have to have the talent in order to that happen. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, and one of the things that I love about you and I love about Ted and I love about Judy. Oh, and one of the things that I didn't say is like I met you last year because of Judy Guy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say that and I apologize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but the it's just, I feel like a lot of, when you look at jewelry as a scope, a lot of people are just like following the trends. Mm -hmm. And like you guys have, I, 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 I call, I was like driving here and I'm like, I cannot call them elders because it's like, <laughs> It will be insulting, but I'm just like, you're like oh, the, yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but you know, like thinking of the, the, um, the three of you and the 10,000 things, you know, like I, I see you as like the wise mm -hmm. people that have created their own path mm -hmm. in the jewelry, especially in the United States, you know, you've created your own path that you're not following any trends. You're not going around like chasing whatever's happening you're doing your own lane but it's so special and it has such a longevity mm -hmm. that does like you you keep evolving all of you are evolving in, in a different way but still keep your voice and that for me is like very exciting because I've seen your work for like 20 years but it's like it's still I see it and I just get happy oh, and I get excited amazing. and get like and I can say that about all of you. Can you tell me your hands? I am such a fan of hands as a as a subject. Hands, lover's eye. Mm -hmm. And these are things that you have created in your own like you have you're bringing back like this history but mm -hmm. making it your own. Can you you told me about your hands and I love the feeling of it can you tell me about the eyes so um well the hands like i i used to, it's funny I, I i do still but i'm not as conscious of it but i used to be as a somewhat shy person i i always looked at people's hands first i i because i love hands and also because they tell so much about a person and now all these years later that my my stacking rings are sort of a you know it's a bread and butter item for me and a lot of people will come and just to buy um hand uh sorry rings for their collection um you see these stories that they've created on their hands that i would never have thought of myself and it's not just my work whatever else they're wearing that comes from their family histories and but often too women will come and say oh i hate my hands and it upsets me so much it's like don't hate your hands even mm -hmm. if, you know, if they're not the i don't know whatever some kind of idealized shape they're they're um they're your hands <laughs> you're a gift them. and uh and i think i i ended up extending that that notion of what a detail can evoke like a like a you know a hand being a detail of a body is very specific in terms of what it evokes and what it can do and and the gestures and same with feet I'm, i've always been obsessed with feet and footprints i've done a series of footprints because this notion of what we leave behind and our mark on the earth and mm -hmm. not just us but animals and um and how it's so exciting that there was a bit of, of snow on the ground yesterday and in the winter to see the tracks you know it's just for yes. a second it's like a whisper and then the snow goes away but you see who came before yeah um the eyes i specifically were um 
inspired by the, the Victorian lover's eyes, but I, I took it and, and applied it to all the senses. So I carved all these little plaques in the eye, uh, and then they have Latin inscriptions that they go with each piece. I, yeah. I picked Latin because I wanted it sort of seemed ancient or like something yeah. I could have found at the bottom of the ocean. Um, and and it's funny too. I mean, to me, it's sort of funny to have a nose plaque. That, that, and, the, and the Latin for that is in medias res, which means in the midst of things. And um, so those were the eye series and the sense series were kind of a, a direct um, continuation of both my obsession with paying attention to detail and and the lover's eye. Yeah, um, so. I am a fan of lover's eyes. I I've I have a few and I think I don't know it's like I, I love yours because first it's metal mm-hmm. and it's just uh, uh, Liz Katner has one oh, nice. and it's just seeing her wearing it I'm like oh I think I need one <laughs> <laughs> which one which of the senses is people's favorites I definitely sell the most of the eyes yeah. and, and when I did the crying eye, I thought oh nobody's gonna want this but it that resonates with people too yeah. I think, you know there's beauty and sadness and there's certainly Story, you know, everybody has their own personal history with it. Um, I think I saw the fewest of the uh, probably nose and ear, but I love, you know, I'll hear of a, you know, I'll get an order from a musician. Yeah, that, right, specific to or somebody songs. that works at a perfumer. You know, right. like it can exactly. be like the nose. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it, it's just. Uh, I love sense. Like I'm, I'm always aware of my senses. Um, it's like something that is like really important to me because I'm like. If I will not have my eyes, I will not see the beauty that mm-hmm. all of you guys create. If I don't have my voice, I cannot like express how much is be- the beauty of it. And like in the touch, is like hands are just so important to me because not only we create with it, but we can like feel everything mm-hmm. with it. So mm-hmm. it's just like that work for of you, like the hands, like it really speaks to me a lot. I, I have a few hands in my in you know, my house, like. Making beautiful hands is really difficult. <laughs> like I usually, when I draw, like my hands tend to be like very like stiff. Mm-hmm. So it's just you make it like with a softness. Well, that was a challenge. What I the first hands I carved were my own hands, and I have pretty big hands for for a woman. And um, when I did the and then I did a series based on art history. So there's a Bronzino hand. He was a, a mannerist painter, and mm. the Medici's. Um, commissioned him to do a lot of their portraits and those paintings are so beautiful they'll be a very elegant woman or man but the way the hand is held is just you know my eye always goes straight to that so I I did a Bronzino hand and then when I did the Canova hand which is based on a, a, a marble sculpture that's at the Borghese gallery it was a real challenge because he really makes he makes marble look like flesh mm. and it's really hard to it's a really hard thing to do. So mm-hmm. it was interesting for me too to do that series because you, you learn so much when you're learning from another, from a master, right? And in mm-hmm. their genre. So doing the you know the hand was a real challenge for me because it is very sort of very soft, fleshy hand, and uh, it was much easier when I did my my Sheila hands. Like they're they're like my hands are very bony and long and and uh, sort of more expressive that way, but. For sure. So, in, how do you come up with like your collections? Like, you know, because you have your senses hands, you have like your na- like the the snakes, which I'm secretly obsessed with it, and your <laughs> insects, your mushrooms. Like, how do you come up with all those? I I think of it all as sort of a 
some kind of a continuum, you know, I'll do like a, it's another chapter in a, in a book, sort of, you know, so like I, when I did the snake series, I remember I was so, I really enjoyed doing, but it was really, really difficult when I did my, um, there's a snake necklace that's, um, mm-hmm. where the pieces are bent in such a way, and because I don't, these are all, first they're carved in wax, I had to go through so many iterations where I couldn't just make, carve, carve a, a a snake that's already coiled up in wax. I thought, well, first I'll just make a long snake in wax and then try and bend. Well, it's really hard. You know, you're asking too much of the wax. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can put the snake in hot water and it'll start to bend, but then you get to a certain point. And, and same thing in metal. So it's a huge learning process and it never happens. You never get it right the first time. So that, that crown that you have with the snakes. <laughs> Oh God! I saw it. Oh my God! I know. I was like, it's just so beautiful. Like, what's the inspiration for that? Yeah. Well, that was actually when I finally had all of these snakes that I've been working with for so long to try and get everything else to, you know, work. I, I, in terms of the necklace and and the brooches, and I thought, okay. Let's see if we can wrangle a bunch of them around for a team. I, I know it's so beautiful. I was like the first time I saw it. I think it was at Sienna. I think mm-hmm. Sienna had it. Mm-hmm. Tina Patty, and I was like, all right, I need, to, I need to try it. <laughs> it's really fun when people come by here to try them on. Like everybody has oh, to God. wear a tiara for the day. It's like it's very Game of Thrones yeah, type, yeah, but it's yeah. like amazing. <laughs> I, I I adore it, and um, so your bone series like you know like i have your recommend series like i mentioned before like how do you like you go to walks and yeah on my walks i pick up roadkill <laughs> <laughs> um there's a i think your raccoon those are yeah those are raccoon but i have squirrel bones also yeah. my mouse bone was from an owl pellet that i i was visiting friends out in sonoma and you know it's amazing if you know where an owl has a nest you can go and get these pellets and they're miraculous it's like a perfect little hairball of a you know egg-shaped hairball and then you pull it apart and there's these incredibly exquisite little bones in there i don't know to me it's so moving i and bones too they're not easy to work with you know you can't just mold directly off of them they're too porous you have to kind of seal them first and then go through this whole process but the the mouse bone necklace to me i mean i'm i'm honoring the life of a mouse that's been through the gullet of an owl in gold and diamond there you go (laughs) i love i think it's amazing but i have picked up some pretty gnarly things and i usually leave them outside long enough until i can like stay out there yeah Have some vultures yeah, come and yeah, clean it yeah, up. Yeah. But, but it shows how imaginative you are. And it shows how your craft is so important to you, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think also I'm trying to, I mean, to me, I don't, I mean, yes, there's an ick factor to all of this. And I understand, you know, people, my, having two boys was great because they were always bringing me <laughs> bones and bugs and snakes and you know it's just it was it was great and some people will look at that and think or, or certainly the bones that there's an aspect of morbidness or mor- morbidity to it and to me it's completely the opposite like you're celebrating life this is yeah. the, these are the the substructure of life and movement and form and it's miraculous and yeah. it's amazing so when i'm cleaning up these little mouse bones sometimes i get teary it's so moving to me Aww. because you know and then also 
there's the mouse bone necklace, which I don't know, a quarter of an inch, and then the squirrel bone necklace. Like it's exactly the same form, but it's three inches long. And then you think of our femur, and it's exactly the same form, but it's so it's just it's pretty cool. Evolution is a very interesting yeah. thing for sure. <laughs> I I find it very fascinating just because of, out of the scientific just the way that you can look at it scientifically but the way that you can look at it as a piece of beauty as a piece mm -hmm. of art in a way yeah. because mm -hmm. like nature is art mm -hmm. um and we have like nature around it um and can we talk about like your gemstones because you have a beautiful taste in gemstones and one of my favorite things is always seeing all the stacks of your rings together <laughs> and it's like I just like I'm like I just want the whole thing, the whole little <laughs> cylinder filled with <laughs> and it's just like something that it it gives me like such a physical reaction of just like coveting. <laughs> well, I know I always say I'm gonna go straight to hell because the work I do incites seven deadly things. Right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> Lust and covetousness. <laughs> um, I you know I I never took. Um, gemology and I, I I just buy what I love I, I, as you say it's it, I think people have a really visceral reaction to stones the first year I went like I go to um, Tucson with Ted every year and first year I went I didn't buy anything because I was so overwhelmed. overwhelmed and I also wasn't really working with stones yet so so I just I, I think I just buy what I like and sometimes I don't I don't really care about quality in terms of you know like in Tucson there, there'll be you know a whole case just around this one ruby and it's and it's an insane amount of money and yes it's beautiful but it, it also kind of looks like a piece of glass to me so I, I celebrate the the inclusions I said sometimes I'll you know that's the coolest you know little it'll be a fleck of some weird something in, inside a stone that makes it just amazing so mm -hmm. I think perfection is highly overrated, and the older I get, the more I feel that. Way. Well, it's like you're, like you're saying that I'm just I'm like yes, like I that's exactly how I feel. Like anything that is like too perfect is just boring to mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Like I just love the imperfections of the gemstones, like the inclusions, anything that has shows a personality, shows mm -hmm. that it came from the earth. Mm -hmm. It's more exciting than just like a flawless mm -hmm. piece of mm -hmm. ruby, and I, and I and I say the same thing. It looks like glass to me. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't have that personality and that history. Because, like, for the inclusions to be there, there has to be something throughout the formation that creates that inclusion. Right. You know, so there's, like, a history in that particular mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So that, oh, I, it's I agree. It's like you're, you're celebra celebrating the glitch instead of just the matrix, right? Why? Yes. Who decided that the, the piece of stone that is free of any... Other, you know, any anything is is the good one as opposed to the one that has you know all kinds of markings and it's like people that want to charge a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's like um, yeah, and 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 I appreciate that, and that's one of the things that I appreciate about you. It's like when in the, when you use like your rose cut diamonds and you have those pieces, and just like looking at your hands that they're like filled with like all the stacks of rings, I'm just... And really dirty fingernails. Hey, you know what? Those are working hands. <laughs> yes. Those are working hands. I, 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 if I see a designer with two perfect of hands, I'm just like, you, do you actually can hold... Do you know what a plier is? <laughs> Have you utilized something? So, imperfect hands, dirty hands, not nice manicure hands, are, I, mm -hmm. I love them too. Mm -hmm. Because that shows that they're their creative hands mm -hmm. you know um what do you want people to feel when they wear your jewelry i think i might 
answer that in a slightly different way is that I, I, I feel incredibly gratified when people respond to my jewelry. Um, I, I have, first of all, I, I'm really proud that for years women have been buying my jewelry for themselves. It's not a gift that they're waiting for somebody to get for them. So that there's a there's a sensitivity and an intelligence. I mean, I think there there's there's some humor in my work. There's a narrative. There's you know there's a slightly creepy factor. There's a lot of you know I don't um, I just make what I make, and I'm really grateful that people respond to it. So I think people take away a lot of different things. I, I like I said I have you know stories of people who will buy a sense ring because of what they do for their living or, or you know there's a, the stories that are attached to the work it's very moving it's yeah. huge i mean like i the fact that any any jeweler the, the work that we make lives on people's bodies through their lives is is really kind of remarkable yeah. um and i love it when you know if if, if i see somebody smile or you know, I, I wore my my what the fuck earrings for you for my <laughs> my interview, which is one on one ear is a question mark and the other ear is an exclamation mark. So my story there is that we should go through life with curiosity yeah. and wonder all the time, aka what the fuck. Exactly. And this world is such a a vastly fascinating and and difficult at the same time place to be that I think no matter who you are, you always have that going yeah. on and so and when I wear these it's really fun because I'll see people sort of you know they're trying to look at my eyes and then they, their eyes are kind of going from ear to ear and then their face lights up yeah. you know there's this that's that's a really it's a great thing if you yeah. can make somebody smile and and I know I mean Julie's work certainly does that it's yeah. completely delightful and yes. um and you know I still like going into Ted's store I'm just you know, like I still have that feeling of, oh what's the point <laughs> 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 it's all here yeah. um so yeah I, I hope that um i think i think the fact that i have enough of a following that i've been able to make a living doing what i i do is is so gratifying and it means that people respond to the work enough to to want to have it and wear it and yeah. that's, that's really huge yeah going to the what the fuck earrings like, it's like it just reminded me as like I, i was like asking i was talking to somebody about like sense of wonder and like wanting to you know question things like in a in, you know like how these things are made and stuff like that and this person told me that she doesn't question anything like she doesn't have a wonder of anything and that makes me so sad mm -hmm. because i'm like you don't you cannot go out of the world and just like experience it you need curiosity you need mm -hmm. like that sense of like this like a childlike sense of wondering mm -hmm. and it's just like when she told me that it made me so sad and i still have it like i'm just like how can you live your life without wonder yeah. i don't know um do you have like any particular story that from somebody that wears your jewelry that you keep with you Oh, there's so many that come back to me. Um, this summer, I had I had a lot of uh, stories about my jewelry ending up in water. That I loved. Like this one woman reached out and said that she was on a on a a hunt in a bayou for a body, and that what? Like a tendril of a tree like reached out and grabbed. She was wearing my baby hand earrings, and it's like her her earring was pulled out and flung into the bayou. And I'm like. What? I hope, you know, hope it's in the belly of a crocodile now, but just that whole story was like wow. a little movie right there. Right? The fact that, Or, just the yeah. fact that she was in hunting for a body. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
Yeah. It's just like, that's what I'm like, tell me everything. I want to know everything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and there's, yeah, I, I mean, of course, on the spot, it'll be hard for me to remember. Sure, um, no. But there's, there's, those are the things that I find the most gratifying is to hear these stories that, that come back. Because there, there really is, there's so much history that's attached to so much jewelry. Yeah, right? I know. And, and one, that's one of the reasons that I love about jewelry the most is just the carries that story forever like i have a, a, a ring that is it's like over 100 years old mm -hmm. and it's not from a family but it's just like it was from somebody mm -hmm. and just like imagining that i have like um buckets with old pictures mm -hmm. i have buckets with old hair like i have this um like a, a sphere locket when you open it has like four different photos in it. and and one is a ghost i call him my ghost mm -hmm. because i didn't realize that he was there because his was so faint wow. and then there was like a little lock of hair in the in another of the yeah. of the photos and mm -hmm. just like thinking about those that came that's why also i like like um all architecture like when i go to you know like when when you travel and you see like these buildings have been there for hundreds of years or you know um we, i was in italy this cathedral and my husband was like oh my god leonardo da vinci walked this mm -hmm. the steps and mm -hmm. just thinking about those things just put things well, in perspective yeah, last long long beyond us yeah and yeah. and the fact that jewelry can have that longevity mm -hmm. and can can be carried from like you know families or mm -hmm. strangers and all that is just for me is it, just very fascinating mm -hmm. like i've said me before one of the favorite movies the red violin i think oh, I, yeah. told, I told judy about it <laughs> it's like it's just because it carries that story of that violin uh -huh. i've said it before yeah it's very interesting um so if if it's not jewelry what what other will have been your love you think dancing that was my first love yeah and i still i think do you still um, do oh you know yeah by myself in the studio or on my 50th birthday i grabbed dragged my husband and two boys down to, to buenos aires because i thought oh tango, tango. <laughs> go forth in tango but it's it wasn't their thing my younger son was was um was into it but i yeah to me there's um there's something about movement like um also my father used to take me to there was a folk dancing group in princeton new jersey that would meet every tuesday night and it was on the grounds of the old um uh the old seminary building so it was this beautiful sort of it was like an old gothic church and there was this this lovely it was like a, a fairy glen of beaten dirt and there were christmas lights sort of strung up and every tuesday night this group would meet and all the different folk dances line dances and couple dances and i as a little skinny kid I knew all the steps and I would I would um I just my brother was <laughs> would sort of lurk around in the background and, and explore the buildings and wouldn't dance but I just to me the the community of movement people dancing together is you know if there was more of that I think there would be maybe less less of a mess of the world yeah um I agree. so I still yeah I love to dance when you when you take everything out and you look at individuals you know because like there's so much like oh this group is this this group is that but when you really put everything in perspective like we're all one the same things mm -hmm. like I, I i have this thing that i tell people is like go to a park 
in just just in a beautiful day and you're gonna see people from different walks of life and they're just enjoying being in nature mm -hmm. just like see that and in, at the end of the day you you can humanize people by just mm -hmm. seeing that they're really similar mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. one to each other like we're mm -hmm. all like very similar at the end of the day mm -hmm. so that's definitely something that i been seeing more and more just like finding that humanity mm -hmm. on people and also i mean culturally when you see um traditional folk dances from countries all over the world they're they're often very you know very simple steps yeah. right and and but it's about doing it together and and also when you see historically these kind of um traditional dances in traditional Dress, and it's just yeah, yeah. It's just the, again, it is just like carrying those traditions mm -hmm. that has been passed. Um, do you have a personal favorite piece of jewelry of mine or anything? People, anything, anything. Mm, that's a hard one. I think of mine, I, I'll often go to um, my articulated wasp earrings, which mm -hmm. are just oh, um, so the, the wings mm -hmm. can be in a different stone, and there's something sort of just very elegant and almost looks Napoleonic or something to me. But I have an incredible collection of Ted's pieces. All those years we worked together, I, I often got the first kind of iteration or sketch of a piece. Oh. Um, amazing. Um, I... Oh, I can say, okay, my favorite piece of jewelry is something that's really hideous, and I'll never warn them, but <laughs> my son, Jack, in um, in kindergarten, they had like a little, some kind of a little sale where everybody, you know, it was a fundraiser for something at the school, and he picked out a pair of costume jewelry earrings for me that was kind of like a, a double knot that just, you know, they make me weep every time I look at them, but I'll never wear them. <laughs> But it's the, but, the thought that counts. See, but that that's <laughs> it, but it brings you to him and the fact that he picked them for you. And oh, and also my husband Chris gave me the most amazing. Um, uh, it's a hummingbird head. I mean, it's kind of awful because it was a was a live bird, but it, again, it's memorializing this amazing brooch. Oh wow! And, yeah, oh, that's amazing. So, yeah, but again, it is. It's like asking. Pick your favorite child. That's a tough one. <laughs> I know, and that's why I asked. <laughs> um, so I, so what do you see your legacy in mm. the future? What do you want like your legacy to be? In legacy meaning of your work, back? of your work. And... I, I think, um, I hope that it comes through. That if there's something, uh, it's honest work it can't comes from a place of um admiration and wonder or 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 trying to tell a story um and that i did it my own way you know i didn't i didn't have money to start i i started just doing bronze and silver because that's all i could afford and then when i started the um, scent series of rings i had started in 10 carat because i that was all i could afford and so i've, I've built it very slowly and um and i've sort of stuck to my guns. I mean, I, I stayed very small. I'm very proud of that. I just because I know what I can handle and how much I can fit on my plate. And I've, I've learned when I had too much work to do that I, I still touch everything that leaves my studio and, and I, I need it to be that way. I don't really understand or not understand. I don't relate to people who just want to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, this notion of more is yeah. not something that I 
understand. I was actually asked once, and I apologize to any listeners out there who might be connected to this magazine, but I was, I was asked once um, that a magazine called More wanted to do a story on me, and I said, that's that's everything that's wrong with this kind of More. I don't want to so it's called more it should be less let's yeah do less. <laughs> let's do less anyway, again, exactly let's do special let's yeah. do yeah. like things yeah. that meaning yeah. meaningful yeah. you know so i think i think um yeah i hope that answers the question. i love that no i think it's it's a great answer and i agree with you on that so um i have a couple sorry questions that i like mm-hmm. to ask everybody to you know just to wrap up a little um what's your favorite gemstone Brown star sapphire. Ooh, that's nice. It's like, it looks like velvet in a stone or something. Ooh, yeah. never you know thought of Yeah, it's, it's I, not, I mean, technically, it's not really. They're called star sapphires, but there's not really a star in there. It's yeah, it's just that incredible mm-hmm. sort of like that little sheen. Yeah, yeah. And um, spinels. I love spinels. Yeah, spinels look good. Um, what's your favorite metal? Hmm. Um. I. That's a hard one. I. I. I still. I'm so loyal to bronze because I love it's what it can do in terms of patina and how you work with it and that it's affordable and its association with sculpture and um, gold is much nicer to work with um, yeah. so I, I guess it depends on what I'm making I'll take that <laughs> what's your favorite technique or tool wax carving Mm, I love that one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your favorite artist? Doesn't need to be jewelry; can be anything. Oh goodness! Um, well, uh, maybe just because when it comes off the tip of my tongue, uh, because it was so graciously showed up at our little pop-up recently, is Martin Puryear. Oh, such an amazing! I feel like he's a real national treasure. That's amazing. Oh, have to check that. Uh, what's your favorite thing to listen while you work? pretty broad range um i'd say the the soundtrack of most of my earlier work in terms of wax carving at night I, a lot of tom waits um now more i, I love gillian welsh i love country i love classical i don't listen to jazz when i'm working because it's too frenetic but yeah pretty broad range good um do you have any advice for future for the future generation I, for me, I, the world is such a different place now for people starting out, but for me, it was really important to um, to find a mentor, somebody whose work you really love, and to really, I mean, I, it was an incredible experience for me to be able to work with Ted all those years. And he taught me so much, not just about, you know, I mean, because it was really just the two of us, every, every aspect of the business in terms of, you know, Feeding stores and filling orders and all of that, um, and the great friendship and relationship, yeah. um, and also not to feel like you have to do too much. I mean, I'm I'm terrible at you know I'm terrible at Instagram. I post maybe twice a year. I don't I I don't feel comfortable with the notion of of speaking to a public I can't see. Mm-hmm. I admire it in people who do it well. And Judy's amazing. Her yeah. voice comes through, and I I hope to maybe still try and do a better job at that um but to just do work that seems you know that really comes from you and is not about trends i you know i never made a piece in order to make money i I, and if i ever did it didn't work you know like i thought oh i have to make something that will sell and that that's just not the right impulse so hopefully it's work that that comes from a, a place that you you know you just can't help but make it yeah. and um, and not to feel like you have to get 
too big or you know, that, that part of it I think is is, is not stressed enough. You know, I think staying small really has its value. If it, of course, if it if it keeps you alive and keeps your bills paid. <laughs> exactly. That that's a great advice, um, and hopefully people will listen to it. <laughs> Gabriela, thank you so much. It's, it's a true honor for me to oh, talk to you. You your you, you your work really has spoken to me for years, and it's like absolutely beautiful. And every time that I see it, it's just. It's like Christmas Day. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> and being able to meet you is, and seeing your work more in that is, is really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming oh. and for asking me. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. You can find Gabriela on Instagram at Gabriela Kiss Jewelry or her website, GabrielaKiss.com, where you can see her stockets. Thousand Facets is produced and edited by me. Please visit A Thousand Facets on Instagram to see photos of some of the things we spoke about during the interview. Music by Chris Keys. You can find him on Instagram at Chris underscore Keys underscore underscore. Please remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much. I'm